Hey, this is Pastor Allen. I'm the lead pastor here at First Baptist Church of Naples, and we are so happy that you have chosen to join us as we go through God's Word together. God's doing some amazing things here, and we pray that God's Word will transform you from the inside out. Our mission here is to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ of all peoples. And our hope is, is that you are being a disciple that makes disciples. Now, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to join us either in person or continuing online as we go into God's Word together every week. But if you are a member of another church, we don't want this to be in any way, shape, form, or fashion a substitute for you being connected to your local body. So our prayer is, is that God uses His Word to change you and to change others. So we pray that God will use you and this message for His glory. Have a great day. Uh, we're going to go to Romans 12. We're going to look at Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. And one of the things that I want to do is, as you see the title on the, on the screen up there, I want us to get our thinking into doing things God's way, doing it His things, doing His things. And there's going to be an explanation, but let me just explain to you what I'm about to, to read because I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. But what I did was I... I um, I called my daughter after this because when she was in college, she took Greek as an elective. Uh, yeah. And, um, and so I asked her to translate this passage so that we could discuss it when we were on Thanksgiving break. And so she has translated this passage. I'm going to read her translation. It is very similar to what you see, but sometimes the Greek is choppy. And so I've put in some parentheses and little things to help us to understand today. But let's stand and go to the reading of God's Word. And you can follow along. I'm sure it will not be hard. But if you would like to read from the, or, or follow along from the screens, please do. The translation of Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Now, the passage is, this is called the Christian ethic. This is the expectation of the Christian. Let that sink in, and this is what Paul writes by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let love be without disguise, utterly loathing or hating, and that's in the active tense, I constantly hate evil, having been joined to what is good, that is Christ, with brotherly love being tenderly affectionate to one another in God, being, setting, leading an example to one another, not hesitating or shrinking in earnest regard for one another, burning with passion in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, abiding patiently in oppression, adhering firmly to prayer, fellowshipping to the needs of the saints, pursuing hospitality to strangers, Bless the ones who are pursuing or persecuting you. You must bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. New paragraph. Having the same mind one to another, not considering proud things, but being led along with the lowly. Repaying evil for evil to no one but planning beforehand what is right in the presence of all men. If it is possible in your power of you, be living at peace with all men, not avenging yourself, 
Beloved, but give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I myself will recompense, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemy should hunger, feed him bit by bit, like a baby. If he should thirst, you should give him drink. Do not be overpowered by evil instead or but prevail over evil with good. And all God's people said, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Spirit, we need you to guide us into all truth. We're talking about relationships today. And Lord, this is not doing hard things. This is doing his things. So I pray that we change our mindset today because Spirit, we need you. Lord, I know that, you know, I've been just, the attack is real. And the Christians that are here today, we need to hear this, and you've led us to this moment. So I pray that you'll bless your word now and empty myself so that we can hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to show you a picture of my 2022 goals because this time of year, everybody's like, it's the hard things, right? We talk about 2022 goals, like tomorrow. You know, I've said January 1st I was going to go on a diet, but it's really not a diet. It's a life change. (laughs) In 2022, I put this in my bathroom and in my office. I had two copies, and this was my goals for the year. Do God's will, which was based out of Matthew. Evangelize and disciple. And number two, give, give, give. Those were my goals. Little did I know, sitting in Palm Harbor, Florida, that God would begin to create in the hearts of First Naples and in our hearts a transition to a new job. Do God's will. Little did I know that. And I began to just formulate in my mind, what is the proper way to look at goals for the new year? Because a lot of times I do hard things and I, and I think they're so hard, but, but we don't know what hard is until we really get into the battle of it. So 2023 for me is this, um, and, and I haven't printed it off yet so I didn't take a picture. Um, for 2023, I'm going to verbally state out loud every day in my office at First Baptist Academy or where I wake up, this task is too big for me. Lord, I need you today. That's going to be my everyday prayer. And then do his things. Do his things. So there was a journey that I had to get from this passage because in one of my Bibles, I immediately wrote at the top of this passage, do hard things. And this is where I want to just go because the introduction and the conclusion are longer than the main points today. I'm just letting you know. But in the introduction of what we look at for doing hard things to his things is this. I usually travel my life thinking that the things that God is calling me to are hard. And the reality of the life that Christ has called us to may have suffering, may have hardship, may have persecution, but if we are in his will, and doing his things, they're not hard. We make them hard. 
not him. We've got to change our thinking because Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21 are his things. And I'm telling you, since I've been studying this, the last two weeks I've been sitting like in different places. And I mean, do you ever have people problems? You ever have people problems? I do. I, there's a few people like that have come to my mind and I'm just sitting there like, oh, I wish this. And the Spirit's like, oh, you're preaching on this, bro. You are preaching on this. And I'm like, oh, this person needs to. In honor, preferring, oh, I wish that person. And the thing is, is like some of us here today, seriously, you're sitting here and you are broken. I am a broken person. And there's some relationships that you may be having in your life right now that are seriously disrupted and broken. And the Spirit, especially for the Christians, wants to speak to our hearts as we start this year. It's not about doing the hard things. It's about doing His things. What a challenge. Think about some of the things that Christ said to us. It doesn't mean that carrying the cross is not accompanied with suffering, hardship, or hurt. This does not mean that living for Christ is easy, but it does mean living a life in him is filled with his presence and his peace and care. What would you rather have, the loneliness of hurt or the presence of Jesus within the moment of hurt? The Christian walk is rooted in the statements that we all well know. Let me just give you some. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Lo, I'm with you until the ends of the earth. And Paul's expression that I still haven't gotten to at my point in my life, I can do all things through Christ, who's my strength. We can't come to the table and say, God, you can't repair this. Because he can God, you can't repair me because he can. Amen? God can repair us. And some of us this morning in a crowd this size, some of us just feel broken. We don't feel broken. We are broken. And the Holy Spirit for the Christians that are sitting in here today, you know it. Every time I pray and say, God, show me relationships that are broken. He brings people's names to mind. Do you have somebody in mind right now? Relationship is broken. Hurt. My normal response is, but, but, but look what they did. But look, look at them and somebody in here today. Like th this thing, don't let the devil, the accuser, sit there in your mind right now and say, I hope this person is watching online. Folks, I love you enough to tell you I'm your brother in Christ. Do not let that happen. That's what Satan loves. He's the accuser. He's the master accuser. So guess what he's getting you to do? Accuse. Oh, I hope that person that I never talked to that sits on the other side is here today. They need this. We need this. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Our message comes from the mindset that is distinctly rooted on the basis that living in Christ, you ready, and for Christ is not hard things. 
It's his things. For me, in raising our children, one of the greatest things that I would want to see from my life, in their life, in my wife's life, is for them to pursue Jesus passionately. Not their career, not their spouse or their dating partner, not their social media platform, but to enjoy his things, the presence of Jesus. The question is not whether I believe it, because I believe most of us believe it, but believing results in living it. If you and I believe this, then we will live it. That's the hard part. Don't you agree? I think that's the hard part. We need to declare that it is true. So a quick journey, which I love of Romans chapter 12. Okay, so go to Romans chapter 11 in your copy of God's word, and I'm gonna just read three or four verses at the end. This is why this passage comes to how I treat others. So Romans chapter 11, it says this. Look with me in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how, inscru- and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Mm, that's good, isn't it? Or who has been his counselor? Oh, that's good. Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. And to him be what? Him be glory forever. Amen. So because we have chapters in the English language, we seem to have a break here. But then we read Romans verse, uh, 12 verses 1 and 2. Well, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, Right? Why do I do that? Because Paul just got finished explaining the incredible, magnificent mercy of God to send Jesus to the Jew and to the Gentile. And therefore, when I know Jesus as my Savior, my first response is, Lord, I am yours. I'm not mine. I'm not somebody else's. All of my will, everything is yours. And I submit to you because you are my Lord. This is the message of the gospel that it's just not the prayer of salvation, but it is the life of salvation that Jesus wants me to do his things. And therefore, Paul says, the first thing you do when you realize God's salvation is you have to say, how I view Christ will determine how I view myself. So Christ died for me, Lord, I'm yours. Second part, which I'm not gonna read, comes from verses three through eight. Then he talks about the community of believers. And he says, every one of you in the community of believers needs each other, right? Do we believe that? Yeah, some of us are arms, some of us are legs, some of us are armpits, some of us are eyes. But Paul is saying very clearly That how you view Christ will determine how you view others. So how I view Christ will determine how I view myself. Lord, I'm yours. How I view Christ will determine how I view others. Lord, they are yours. 
But the passage for today is how I view Christ will determine how I treat others. And that is the sticky point. So we're going to concentrate today on verses 9 through 21. I'm going to read through them, give some application as we do that. But we're going to look into the area of broken relationships. We often make our broken relationships worse by inaccurate love, indifferent pride, and the desire to enact revenge. And all of those things are evil. Inaccurate love, indifferent pride, and the desire to enact revenge, rather than promoting honor, peace, and restraint. And, and verses 9 through 21 do something that are very amazing here. I want us to understand. It talks about Christian brothers and sisters. Then it talks about the stranger when it talks about hospitality. And then that last passage is about those who we believe are our enemies. That can be Christian or secular. And so when we look at this, we have to understand what is, ha what is happening. And uh, I, I appreciate, R.C. Sproul said that this paragraph is the equivalent to the Sermon on the Mount. So go back and read Matthew chapter 5 and begin the Sermon on the Mount because you will see the equivalent of Paul reiterating these things. But just before we go to our two main points today, may I just say this to us. Broken relationships go back to the Garden of Eden. There's two realities in broken relationships. Number one is this. I mess things up. You don't look at Ryan Dupay and just say, yeah, that's right, you mess things up, Dupay. No, personalize it. I mess things up, and so do you. I, along with Adam, have abused my relationship with God, have abused my relationship with others, and when the accuser, Satan, convinces me that I do not need God's principles to guide my life, I make my own decisions. And I go and hide. And isn't it interesting here? Listen to the second thing. I mess things up, and when I make life hard, a loud voice is present, and one voice is silent. So God, his voice is loud. Where are you, Ryan? Where are you, Adam? You made a decision against me. You've made your life hard. I gave you the way to do things easy. Just don't do this. You've made your life hard. Where are you? God's is the voice that wants to reconcile. Do you know what the most interesting thing about the Garden of Eden is? As soon as these two individuals ate, Adam and Eve, as soon as they ate, what happened? Satan was an observer, but he didn't give advice. He's the silent voice. He lets you suffer in your hurt. Satan's not going to come and give you any type of great counsel this morning. If your relationships are broken, do you think he's going to sit there and say, let me tell you how things can get better. I can guarantee you, my flesh and my depraved heart knows how to make things worse already. Because I'm prideful. I don't love correctly. I want revenge. This is the condition of the human heart. So folks, this is what's pressing us into this real moment this morning. If you have a broken relationship, Christ is pleading with our hearts to show a world that needs Jesus, that reconciliation through his blood, through the people of Christ, is joyful.
and meaningful and real. Not, we just need to leave this church. Not, let's go to a different service. That is not his things. I love you enough to tell you that. You get where I'm coming from? I don't know. Do you, do you feel like your toes are being stepped on? I'm not sure. <laughs> Mine are. Let's take a short but meaningful journey and then go to communion this morning. What does the Christian ethic look like? Number one, I will love people authentically. I will love people authentically. This passage is filled with a whole bunch, whole bunch of what you should do, and then one do not. Do love people without a mask. Do not love hypocritically. Do not love transactionally. Well, I'll do this if they do this. We love people without a mask. This is a really tough one. Loathe, hate, or despise evil. I think in my life, the thing that I have tried to incorporate of what I have hated the most is probably the day that we buried my dad. God never intended for death. That's why he's given us a way for eternal life. But I hated that day, even with the knowledge that he was in heaven. I should hate evil that much. And I might be speaking to a little bit of the younger today, but if you know Christ today, that, that means God is interested in what you're listening to, what you're watching on your YouTube channel, what you're streaming on Netflix. I'm not in so old to think that even some of us old folks are doing the same. Jesus is calling us to his ways and we are to hate evil. Sometimes I feel like we just invite it in. Be known for doing what is good. Exhibit brotherly love for the purpose of being an example. Why do our kids and our grandkids need to hear that we are trying to make relationships right? Because they're gonna need to do it one day. Mom and dad, why do you need to figure out how to reconcile and ask forgiveness when you have an argument and not show inaccurate love and not have the pride and not treat your marriage as transactional? Why do we do this so that the people around us can see that there is a way to joy? Live out hope, patience, this is a huge one for me, a consistent prayer life in verse 12. I need a consistent prayer life. It says, do look for the needs of others, including those who do not even, you don't even know. Might go down off of Livingston, of Orange Blossom. There's people today. We don't even know the needs of people that are standing there asking for something. And Paul is saying, you look for the needs of strangers. And that's accurate love. 
Bless those who are using you. Don't you like that one? Oh, they're only using me because of... It's this, it's that. In fact, as we read it in verse 14, it says very clearly, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. And the Greek goes on to make it emphatic. You must bless them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I will love people authentically. And he says one thing, do not hesitate in sincerity towards each other. The second thing is this, I will treat or I will love people authentically and the second thing the passage says, I will live harmoniously with all people. Boy, I think we need to just really look at this as Christians today. This does not mean we don't wanna influence. This does not mean that we don't wanna make an impact. But Christ and his ways are calling us to live harmoniously with the people in the world around us. And we need this from the body of Christ. Amen? I'm just wondering if I've lost you today. So in this passage from verses 16 to 21, have the same mind one to another. This is the mindset. Not being proud, but living humbly. Not repaying evil to anyone. That's right. Not repaying evil to anyone. I hope they get theirs. They deserve this. But having a plan to show Christ to the person and all who are observing you. Verse 18 is interesting because the Greek comes out and says, every bit of my being should desire to live at peace with everyone. And this is the thing about verse 19. Look at verse 19 because it says, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. It has the picture of, well, God doesn't understand and he will not deal with them the way I think they should be dealt with. Right? He, it's, it's that implication from this passage. And, and I think that it's implying that if I get in the way of, of enacting the revenge the way I think it should be done, that God's going to say, okay, you think that's the way? I'm off. If you think you got a better way. But God's is always trying to lead people to his glory because there are people that deserve justice. There are people that, that will suffer the recompense of God. This was a challenge to me also. Feed your enemy slowly, time and again, like a baby. So it's not like sitting there saying, all right, this guy's offended me. I need to say, hey, man, I'm going to try to live at peace with you. The, the passage just says, ah, the, 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 let's, this, I, I remind myself of this, but I remind teenagers of this often. God has never called us to like people. You realize that? He's never called us to like people. You might be sitting here today, and once we get to know each other, you will not like me. But I can guarantee you, I might not like you. <laughs> but he has called me to love you. He has not called me to like you, but he has called me to love you. I don't have to like everything you believe, everything you practice. You know, just coming off of the holidays... Man, when we got together as a family, I sat there and evaluated the way my brothers and sister, they parented. <laughs> Mom and dad, you're just, you gotta know, we know when you're talking about us. 
you know, dad for some reason is in the kitchen with mom doing dishes. They're having a conversation. <laughs> Can you believe? <laughs> we look at it minimally, but the, but the bottom line is we're called to love. We're called to do his things. And these aren't hard things. But you don't understand. This person in my family, every time we get around them, you don't understand. God does. You mean I'm supposed to show them honor? You mean I'm supposed to love them beyond myself that I could? Yes. Doing his things is better than doing the hard things. How do I do this? Well, let me read this paragraph. I think we have enough time here. Have you been hurt? Have you hurt someone? Have you been despised, talked about, taken out of a text group, defriended, canceled, used, hurt? Have you despised somebody, talked about somebody, taken somebody out of a text group, defriended somebody, canceled somebody, used or hurt somebody? Have you been in a fight, gossiped about? or been gossiped about, given an ultimatum of friendship, viewed unethical processes or sinful actions because every time somebody walks into a church, they contaminate it because we're people. Are there people that just bother you, get under your skin? You know, that person. Ask God to reveal people to you and reveal whether you are a part of the issue. So how do I do this? I'm glad you asked. This is three principles that I try to live by in restoring relationships. Number one, I need to work on my mindset before I try to fix other people. This happens in taking communion. Paul doesn't say evaluate other people and then remember this in my name. Remember this. He says, evaluate yourself. And I'm telling you because the, what is the Holy Spirit to us? He guides us into all truth. When I sit down, and I've done it before, and prayed right here and said, Lord, reveal to me names that I need to, when I'm pointing here, it's where I was sitting this morning. And before communion, I ask God, is there anybody that has an offense against me that I know that I need to leave my offering here and go get right? That is the implications of doing his things. Not, I'll deal with it next month. Not, I hope they change. There's been times that technology has helped me. I remember one time I was doing communion. Uh, I was sitting there in the church, not as doing communion, but taking part. And um, I had been a bear to my kids on the way to church, which is like Satan's playhouse when parents are trying to get their kids. And I had been a bear, and I had sinned against them, and I said, Lord, before I take these elements, tell me who have I offended, who, who, he's like, your own kids. I pull out my phone while we're singing the song, and I start texting them, and I said, Dad needs to ask your forgiveness. I cannot take this and know that I have offended you. I love you, and I'm a sinner, but please forgive me. That's his things. That's not hard things. You gotta get your mindset out of it. My pride wants to get rid of saying, I'm sorry. I need your forgiveness. 
You work on your mindset before you try to fix others, self-evaluation. You pray over others. Give the problem to God, but demote your feelings. And then you apply the scripture by living it out to all people. Well, we're at Christmas time. Did anybody watch the George C. Scott Christmas Carol? Anybody? There's a few hands. Probably one of the better versions according to somebody in our household. <laughs> but remember the picture of a Christmas Carol when Bob Cratchit stands up? The whole family sitting there watching, and what does he do? He gives a toast to who? The founder of the feast, Ebenezer Scrooge. And five people are sitting there like, you're giving him credit? This is a great example, because oftentimes, when we try to promote God's ways, even people in our own family don't get it. And he stands up and says, let me give a toast to the founder of the feast with great joy on Christmas Day. And what did he keep on looking at the, his wife and saying? Honey, it's Christmas Day. We can forgive on Christmas Day. Jesus, or God, in Psalm 23 kind of teaches us this. It says in the scripture that he prepares a table before the presence of my enemies. He sets me up to get things right. God tells the Christian in Revelation, come now and let us reason together. The application of this is simple for our hearts today. Some of us need to have conversations. Some of us need to grant forgiveness. And forgiveness is never forgetting. It's not, that's a, that's a false scriptural idea. It's not, it's not a false scriptural, it's a false idea. You can't find it in the scripture. I will never forget some of the hurt that has happened, but I can choose not to bring it up again. That is forgiveness. And some of us this morning need to give God room for his judgment. You're the one taking the bull by, or the horse by the reins and you're like, I've gotta control this. These people need to change. This person did me wrong. This person deserves this. And this passage is saying, leave it to Jesus. He knows. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Go and be reconciled, then come with your gift. Here at First Naples, we practice the sacrament of communion every first Sunday of the month. It's not a tack on at the end of the service. It shouldn't be. Something I need to think about before I get here. We have plenty of time to prepare for these moments. This is not an empty ritual. This is a practice and process of the true nature or ethic of Christ in our lives. It is saying to him, I'm willing to do your things. On either side today, and two dozen roses really doesn't give the picture really well, but on either side today is a dozen roses. And one of my seminary professors used to use this in his church, and so I went out yesterday and bought two dozen roses. And some of you sitting here this morning, you know there's relationships that are broken in your life. 
Can I just say to you, that's all of us. We're, we're, we're right here with you. We know that. This is a place for restitution, for reconciliation. And my professor gave the example that when he, every communion, they put up a couple dozen roses. And in the time before they took it, they let the people of God, if they wanted to, come up and grab a rose to remind them when they got home of a relationship that they needed to pray over and maybe even reconcile. In a crowd this size, nobody's looking to embarrass you. But as we have the song of commitment today, can I just implore with you, if, if God's putting somebody on your mind, nobody's gonna be sitting there and saying, oh yeah, I'm glad they got a rose. They need, I'm, I'm waiting for them to come talk to me. But maybe even after the service, you wanna just come and grab one of the petals, put it in your Romans 12 passage so that every time you read it, you're reminded of doing his things. His things. His things. Once again, I just want to say there's no shame if you come up here and get a rose today because you know there's a broken relationship and your heart is bleeding. Just do it. If not, grab one after the service. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day. Call us to do your things. Lord, help me to quit looking at the things and the conversations I need to do as the hard things. Don't let my pride get in the way. Don't let the accuser, Satan, tell me that I don't need to get things right because of what they've done. Lord, there may be some tremendous hurt today, and it may not be the fault of anybody sitting here, but, but Lord, would you help us? God, would you just drop on us today? Help us to reconcile the relationships that you've called us to. And with much gratefulness, we lift your name and thank you for this moment in time. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we go through God's word together. I pray again that God will transform you from the inside out. So as we say here at first, you have come to church, go out and be the church, have a great week of worship. We can't wait to see you soon.